Thanks for tuning in to the Catch Podcast. Brought to you by Dark Horse Tackle. The best American small business baits you've never heard of, stocked in a monthly box. Use promo code the Catch 5 off and save $5 off your first monthly subscription to the Weekend Warrior Box. Here are your hosts, Matt Souders and Brad Hicks. Matthew Souders, what's up, man? Richard Hicks. What's going on? It's Mr. Big Hicks to you. It is. It is indeed. What's going on, buddy? Not much, dude. Just, you know, sitting here a little sore. Just got done from the gym. Dug some holes at work. I'm tired. So. Yeah, I was going to go fish today, but it was hot. And I was like, you know what? There's other things I can do. So I cleaned the truck out. I found my fish finder. I don't know if I told you, but I couldn't find my Garmin. It was in the truck the whole time. Uh, so I, <laughs> I found that. Uh, I found three River City swim baits that I couldn't find. So I found those. Dude, that's and like, how much How much money is that? Like 450 bucks? No, not 450. They're like $65 a pop. Oh, Oh, I'm thinking of the new ones. I think the, his new ones are 150 bucks or something like, like that. Like the big ones? Yeah. yeah, the big the big ones I think are like 130 or 140. And I found an 8-inch mag draft. So There you go. I brought that with me to Dale Hollow and I did I thought I left it there. So That's, <laughs> that's how long it's been sitting down there. Yeah. But yeah, so you did I'll, I'll talk I can talk a little bit about the fishing I've done the last week, but you did some river fishing. You got some good fish. So talk about it. I don't even remember what I did. Uh, did I? I don't know where you were at. Oh yeah, I remember. I went. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I went Saturday for a few hours, and then Sunday for a little while. Uh, Saturday was a more productive day. I ended up catching two two pretty good ones. One was really fat, and then the other one was like a skinny 16, 17 incher, and then caught a couple handful of other fish, and then I got. As you saw on my Instagram, I got uh, water dumped on me from the uh, fountain downtown Dayton. So that was kind of cool, actually. Yeah. I always wondered when we're doing that stretch, I was like, dude, what happens if they just come on? Like, are What's we going to die? I said, I've always wondered why we're doing that stretch. I was like, I wonder what happens. Because I've never been, like, I don't go downtown Dayton for the fireworks or the water yeah, shows or any of that stupid stuff. Uh, so I don't know. I never knew what intensity they went off at and i was like i wonder what happens if i'm just rolling right next to this thing it just goes off that's what happened to me i was like I oh know. crap <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't that bad i was getting misted and stuff it felt really good the wind was crazy well, from it though i can imagine it's probably pushing through a ton of water but mm -hmm. so i didn't get on the river i had to work but from the last show when i was trying to get in the mindset and throw certain baits, blah, blah, blah. I went out to a spot. I made a video. It's on the Instagram. It'll be a little video on the YouTube channel. Went out all day, went into a little pond we fish. I wanted to throw the Nico rig and the drop shot, and it was chocolate milk. Terrible. Yeah, dude, if I were you, I wouldn't even have thrown those two things at that place. I threw it for, well, if it's clearer, I already know what a wacky will do. So I just was wanting to build confidence up with the bait. That's all I wanted to do. Um, so, but I ended up getting one fish off of top water, but I got a little redemption because I got a pond and lake behind my work. 
and I went out there with the Nico rig. I fished for 28 minutes and I caught four fish, three on the Nico rig nice. and one on the drop shot, which was so weird. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So I hooked this dude in the eyeball before everyone freaks out. I popped the hook out after I almost took his eyeball out. Cause I couldn't just get it out. <laughs> it was gross. And, uh, when I popped it out, his, he kept moving his eye. So I'm sure he can see who knows, but, uh, it was a drop shot and I felt, I felt the bite. So obviously drop shot. If you're listening to this, I'm doing a drop shot hook motion watching on YouTube and I'm reeling up and I hook into it and it goes slack a little bit. And I just keep pressure and it goes slack and comes back. So the only thing I can think is the owner sniper finesse hook is so sharp. It caught it short striked it. And when it realized I was pulling it away, it swam off. And when I kept putting weight into it, it pulled that through and hooked him in the eye. Yeah, that's, that's, that's weird. That's all I can think. Like, it was the weirdest thing. I was like, how did I hook you in the eyeball with a drop shot? I don't even but, know, man. That's goofy. Whatever. Yeah. But it was cool throwing some that's finesse cool. techniques, especially drop shot. I haven't picked that up and actually thrown it since, like, it's been probably years. I, I wanted to do it last year. I never did it. Uh, so it was, it was cool. And I wasn't having to sit there and let it sit. I just did the Taku. He did an interview like three years ago, throw a drop shot bait out. Don't move it a lot. Just let it hit the bottom and barely touch it. And I did that and I was getting hammered. So it was awesome. So awesome, man. Well, before we get the uh, show started here, we got a couple of, uh, reviews on Apple podcasts that I'm going to read. So this one is from Jay Hensley, one, one, two, nine from Instagram. The subject says, good stuff. He says, loving the podcast. These dudes nerd out on River and I'm here for it. Who knew Ohio had more going on than folks that don't know how to back a boat down a boat ramp? Keep up the good work, boys. <laughs> it's true. I think of everywhere I've been, Ohio anglers are the worst at backing down a boat ramp. Yeah. Twelve. It seems like kayak anglers are even worse. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, yeah. Anyway, uh, Jay Hensley, send me your address, dude, because I got something for you. I'm going to send you. And you're going to like it. So, um, guys, leave us a review and you might get something in the mail from us. So uh, the next one here is from somebody named Fish Girl. And it says the catch podcast is a catch. It says the catch podcast hosted by Matt and Brad. Del- Matt and Brad delivers an engaging blend of a lot of fishing and a little bit of sports content. Their dynamic chem- chemistry and enthusiastic banter makes each episode enjoyable. The hosts seamlessly intertwine discussions about various fishing topics with insights from the world of fi- world of sports, creating a unique and well-rounded show. Whether you're a fishing enthusiast, a sports fan, or both, the catch provides an entertaining and informative experience that keeps you hooked from start to finish. (laughs) I can tell you right now, fish girl, you were smarter than both of us combined. That was was the most well-worded compliment I've ever read. And I really, really, really appreciate it. So uh, shoot me your address. And I will shoot you over some cool stuff. Yeah. So that was the two we had. Like I said, if you guys leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you listen, you'll get something in the mail. Maybe. Unless we run yeah. out of stuff. So, well, there we mean, go. I, I don't think I'm ever going to run out of stuff. But first, <laughs> the good stuff, the one, the uh, Hensley message, Brad, yep. Fish Girl, message me. 
and we'll get you some stuff out. Awesome. Well, let's get into the show, man. Enough of this banter and all that stuff. I'm excited for this show because we got a local guy joining the show, uh, local to me and Matt here in Ohio. And uh, he's a big river fisherman and he's an amazing river fisherman. We see his post in every Facebook group and uh, it's always big fish, it seems like. And then on top of that, he's he's a writer for a journal journal up in the Boundary Waters. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So we're going to welcome on Mike Teach to the show. How you doing, man? Good. How you all doing? Doing well. Doing good, doing good. Thanks for coming on. Um, really appreciate it. For the folks at home who might not know who you are, which they fall smallmouth, I mean, you're like a living legend. But kind of give a background, let them know who you are, what you do, things like that. Well, who I am is a, is a smallmouth fisherman, and I've been living on the river for uh, a good number of years throughout my life, and I I just uh, basically just target smallmouth, but uh, occasionally I get into some pike and some saw guy too, and occasional catfishing every now and then, but uh, uh, as far as uh, what I do is uh, I'm a... Uh, I'm a former project manager for a Fortune 500 corporation in downtown Dayton. It used to be a Mead World headquarters down there. And I used to uh, be a project manager in telecommunications down there in a former life. And then after that, uh, I've basically been the, uh, a writer for the Boundary Waters Journal, writing um, fishing articles, outdoor articles, and uh, actually I write some poetry as well. Um, and on my uh, rest of my time, I just I do community work for the uh, the Bethany Center. It's a um, it's a place where we have a uh, like a soup kitchen, food pantry, and a uh, a cold shelter for the homeless. So uh, I volunteer down there, and I also do some volunteer work um, cleaning the river for uh, protecting our waterways. That that's cool, and I've seen you post about the uh, cleaning the waterways program. I think that's something that all of us need to get involved in for sure. Uh, when does that happen? Well, each year we do it the third week of July. It's uh, the third Saturday in July. We okay. do a, we do a stretch, uh, from Sydney to the end of Piqua where the, uh, Piqua dams at. So we try to clean up as much as we can throughout that area. I mean, there's still stuff down in there that, that they miss each year. You know, I see it while I'm out waiting, but there's nothing I can do about snatching a tire out in the middle of nowhere, you know, while I'm waiting. Yeah. But I know where a lot of them are at. I, I need to start making a map and marking areas yeah. so, so, so people can grab them. It's cool because the Little Miami Conservancy, they down here, they have a uh, program where they pull tires and stuff out of the river. And Loveland Canoe and Kayak, they uh, participate in that program. And it's crazy how many tires they pull out of the river. I don't know why that is. Why why can't people just dispose of their tires somewhere else other than dumping them in a river? Yeah, I mean, it never. I, I never understood when I'm going, me and Brad are fishing or something, especially when I had live scope. There's a section of river that I would never think to find a tire because it's not near anything. And I can see it on live scope and it's sticking straight up in like eight foot of water. <laughs> and I'm like, this is like what 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 prompted you to bring a tire all the way out here and throw it in? Like, I just don't understand that. It makes no sense. I have no idea either, unless it just it floods so much and the water just moves those tires so far, and then they end up when they where they end up. Yeah, you guys ever keep track of how many you guys pull out of the river? 
I don't, but the guy who runs it, he I think he he's been keeping track for a while and it's an ungodly number of tires. Oh, I believe it. I mean, I used to stomp some of the creeks around the area and it seems like everywhere everywhere you turned your head it was like one every hundred feet or something like that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So our our show revolves a little bit about sports as well. And I know that you're friends with um uh, what's his name? The Cincinnati Trent Irwin. Trent Irwin. Yeah. How did that? How, how did you meet him? And how did that come about? Uh, yeah. Well, it all happened on Instagram. I was, uh, you know, looking at my followers. I don't look at my followers too hard, but when you see this blue check mark off to the side, you're like, well, who's this guy with the blue check mark following me? And so I looked him up, and I'm like, oh wow, I got a Cincinnati Bengals, you know, wide receiver following me. So we just kind of hooked up and been talking ever since. That's pretty cool. It, he he started out with the Dolphins too, right? That's correct. Yeah, he was a undrafted free agent at the, the Dolphins, and which is my team. And um, he, I guess he got he was on the practice team, but then got cut, and then the Bengals picked him up. And I wish we still had him because he's he's a hell of a player. Well, if if they never cut him, you probably wouldn't have never met up with him and gotten a fish with him. Well, that's true. But if he would have scored touchdowns for the Dolphins, I'd probably be happy. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Dol- uh, Dolphins are going to be tough this year, I think. Well, they could be. Uh, we'll see. I-, I don't know. We'll see how long our quarterback lasts. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, it- it's not like it wasn't a-, a common occurrence last year, which that surprised me watching it and, like, because it happened, how many times did he get a concussion last year? It was three or four, three, wasn't it? Two or three. Well, I I know two for sure where he wasn't playing after him, but yeah. I mean, I'm quite sure he probably had you know multiple ones and ones before that they they still let him play the following game and then and then he got uh, you know put to the sidelines or hauled off. Yeah, yeah. It just it astounded me how many times. The only thing I, I remember talking to my dad, we were watching watching a game and it came up like in the TV timeouts talking like around the league and stuff. And it was like two out with another concussion. I was like, how is he still like breathing? Like, how is he still alive? Just because it's been so often. My dad's like, I don't, there's, I don't think he'll ever play again. I was like, I mean, he might, it might be good for him not to just so he doesn't like, you know, have something crazy happen. It just happens so often, but hopefully this year he can just play the game of football and not have to worry about anything crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we we got to hope for a good offensive line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, when yep. he's healthy, though, I think he's top ten quarterback in the league. Well, he, he's very accurate. He's you know, and he has some great receivers out there. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Heck yeah, I'm excited for football season. <laughs> oh, I'm so like um, so. I'm driving down to Florida for vacation on that September second, and it's first for college football. But Stacy's like, so what are you going to do about the games? I was like, I'm going to watch them on my phone. She's like, but you'll be driving. And I was like, I don't care. I'm going to watch them on my phone. And she's like, well, what about traffic? And I was like, babe, I'm going to watch them on my phone. And Matt is, is not lying because I've I've watched this dude with the Yankees game on his dashboard while we're driving. And then he even had it on his phone mount. He was watching the Ohio State game as we were floating down the river. Yep. <laughs> I, I 
I if I can if I can mount this phone somewhere, I am going to watch something. It just is what it is. I mean, I can drive still fine. Uh, I mean, I was I, I learned driving Humvees just to pay attention to everything. So my eyes are always on the road, and then you just get those little like glances over, and you keep watching stuff. Now, if a game's really good, I have noticed where I should turn it off because I get sucked into it a little bit. Uh, yeah. Like that almost happened on the way down Dale Hollow. Got sucked into it, and we hit the rumble strips. I didn't watch it after that, everybody. I'm not that driver. But, uh, but yeah, so we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll come well, back. Who knows? Well, back in my day, all we had was radio. Yeah. I, I enjoy sports on the radio. <laughs> oh, I do, too. It, it's something about it. Just it's nostalgic. Nice. When yeah. I used to go fishing, it, you know, I, I would listen to the Ohio State game. I was just, you know, when I'd, I'd go bank fishing or, or mm-hmm. I'd throw the radio in the canoe while I'm out fishing and just – listen to the football games, but now I don't even go fishing. Now I just go, go uh, someplace and watch the game. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Well, I, I know you're a uh, writer for the boundary waters journal. You want to talk a little bit about that? Like what is the boundary waters journal and what all do you, what all content do you write for them? Well, yeah, as I said earlier, I, I do mostly, uh, fishing articles but i also do some outdoor articles and i do some poetry um you know most of my uh fishing articles are geared towards smallmouth, but i also do you know of the what they call the grand slam is the lake trout the northern pike the walleye and the smallmouth, the, the main four up there so i've written a, a few articles concerning you know all four but mostly geared towards smallmouth fishing and and then uh the uh, the other articles that I write about are, you know, just trips or my wildlife encounters up there. I've had some close encounters with a bunch of wildlife hmm. and um, and then my poetry. I just I, you know, I, I've read somebody's poem one time in the magazine and I'm like, I decided I think I could do better than that. And I think I've been published about 15 or 20 times with poems in the magazine. So that's cool. So, yeah, I've, I've been been in there quite a few times that, so, uh, where is this all online then no you, you, you have to actually purchase this is back in the day when you have read a magazine oh, okay <laughs> yeah they, they don't they, they don't have an online presence this is just a it's a actual you know ephemera paper magazine okay Wait, where can people find that well you could go to boundarywatersjournal.com would probably be the easiest way to find it. You might be able to find some articles or purchase some articles, you know, online. If you just wanted to read a certain article, I think they may do that. Okay. Oh yeah, here it is. Yeah. If you go to their website, boundarywatersjournal.com, click subscribe, and then you can look through all their subscriptions with summer 2023 issue. It's only seven ninety five, So that's not bad. Yeah. And it, it's 30 bucks for a year. I was just looking at it and, when Brad, when you mentioned digital, I think like the reason why I don't read a lot of magazines or anything anymore is because a lot of them have only gone to like digital PDFs or versions, mm-hmm. um, which I, I, there's something it's kind of like listening to the radio for games. It, there's a nostalgia feel. And this is just me when it comes to if I'm going to read an article or something, I don't always love to do it online. I'd rather have something in my hand to read the article. I'm that guy at Cabela's Bass Pro when I'm going through and they have all the magazines. I find the fishing books 
the fishing magazines and I'll actually read through them and I'll read some stuff and I'll end up, I'll either buy the magazine or I'll do what I did last time. Bass pro is I took a magazine uh, and they're like, Oh yeah, it's a good issue. I was like, Oh, that's great. And I went upstairs and there was a chair and I sat down for like 15 minutes and I read what things I wanted to read. And then I put it back mm-hmm. uh, because I can't. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, having an actual magazine, I think is, is, I don't know. It's it's something you can go back and reference. You don't have to remember where you read it or anything. You just look through the magazine. You highlight stuff. Um, I'm currently reading through the smallmouth book that we were talking about with uh, Shranko on the show. Oh, and yeah. uh, dude, I've I've already littered that thing with highlight marks and notes and little page tabs. So that's the uh, uh, Mike. Do you know Tim Holschlag? Uh, well, I'm I'm aware of who the individual is, and okay. um, I've read some of his stuff before. Okay, yeah, that's the book Matt was referring to. I didn't know. Didn't he, didn't he pass? He yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, he passed away. But the book River Smallmouth Fishing um, from him is it's been fantastic so far. It's one of the better books I've read, just about smallmouth fishing and different tactics. A little dated, but at the same time, it's it's still very pertinent today. Uh, for all those out there who kept asking me if I found it, I found it. It cost like 80 bucks, but I found it Jeez, uh, because they're not making any more prints of it, which sucks. But it's a good book. So if you can find it on eBay like I did, order it. Sometimes it's good to go back and, and you know, look at what people used to do previous mm-hmm. to all the new things that are happening right now. You know, I did that with wake baits. You know, I never used mm-hmm. to use wake baits. And then, you know. I started using wake baits and it's just like, wow, the, you know, what, why haven't I been using these for the past 25 years, you know? And <laughs> yeah. It's just like that. I'm, the big thing now is the swim baits. I've, you know what? I've never actually thrown any of these swim baits, but uh, all I hear is swim bait, swim bait, swim bait. And I heard you guys talking previously about how yeah. expensive those things are. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's really ridiculous. Matt has thousands of dollars probably. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, yeah, well, it's not thousands of dollars anymore. So for the people out there, I, I don't know, Mike or Brad, if you guys know what it is, but there's uh, something called a Roman-made mother. It's a $1,000 swim bait. And when I was in the Marine Corps, I bought one. Uh, and I had it for a long time. And it, I, I got I was so afraid to throw it. And I, I threw it a couple times down south, got two fish on it. And I was like, that's enough. And I put it up. Uh, but I sold it not too long ago, so I'm probably down to. I probably still am over a thousand easily with all the swim baits I have. So, yeah. I know Matt uh, Matt Robertson, the Bassmaster Elite. He lost a glide bait that was a thousand dollars. He hmm. stripped. He stripped down and jumped in and went and got it back. Sure. I'm like, <laughs> oh I yeah. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, that was the one of the one baits I always told myself down in North Carolina if I lose this bait in this lake or whatever, I know there's probably gators here and I'm not going to care. I'm going to go get it back. I will just fist fight a gator to get this bait back. Cause I, that's, I was just so scared to throw it. So I just, yeah. I don't know. I just, I got rid of it, but I have a lot of other baits. I mean, stuff like this, it's not a big swim bait, but, um, so Puddle this Jack. and then all my, huh? Puddle Jack. No, no, what this is, uh, 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 ow. It's a dark corner re- repaint oh, okay. of uh, like a small DRK. Uh, yeah. But little swim baits like this. I mean, if I you get this from a major brand, this thing will probably be about 75 bucks. So, but that's still expensive. Well, for you a thousand dollars, some- I could drive up to Canada and go on like a two week wilderness canoeing <laughs> trip 
and catch, <laughs> you know, hundreds of smallmouth on, on, you know, a Zulu and, and be just fine. Yeah. It, that sounds way more fun to me. I'm not a big swim bait guy, but. Not yet. Uh, you're starting to get the bug because you're starting to catch fish on them. Yeah, a little bit, but. Uh, well, one of these days I'm going to get somebody to give me some of those to, you know, sponsor me and let me uh, advertise a few of them on my uh, Instagram page for them. Yeah. It's going to happen. Cool. That would be cool. I'll say e either that or we'll just meet up and I can give you one of these six inch traces because I've got a ton of them. So say not. Well, this is. This is a good starter swim bait. This is what Brad really not. This is not what he started on, but might as well because this is like his actual first bigger swim bait. Yeah. Because you had that little one from Doc, but you know, just just six inch swim bait. It weighs yeah. two ounces. Perfect. I'm a simple man. I don't need a thousand dollar lure. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> Maybe a thousand dollar rod and reel will be fine, but uh, oh yeah, thousand dollar lure. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you brought that up because. You recently became sponsored by G. Loomis and Shimano, right? Yeah, I'm on the regional pro staff now. Um, what, how that came about is from Instagram again. I hooked up with a guy up in Canada who's uh, sponsored by uh, G. Loomis and Shimano, and and he's seen my pictures. And, and so I basically put together my uh, fishing resume and sent it off to him, and he forwarded it on to his uh, regional sales manager up there in Canada, and and the guy in Toronto says, well, I can't do anything with this. This guy's down in Ohio. He goes, but I'll forward it onto the Midwest uh, sales manager who just happens to be in Duluth, Minnesota, who just happens to go to the Boundary Waters. So <laughs> we, we had that connection going on. So, you know, once once he read my, you know, resume and and knew what I was doing and where I go and what I do and seen my pictures, uh, they brought me on board and, you know, as pretty much as a, I guess as a trial basis right now, but I mean, I think, I think I'm going to prove to them that I can market uh, a uh, G Loomis rod and a Shimano reel just as well as anyone can. And I mean, they do make the best rods and they do make some of the best reels. I mean, shout out to the Shimano and G Loomis. Yeah. I can speak for me and Matt both. We both love Shimano and we are both envious of you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I mean Shimano easily. It's, I, I have there's more boxes on the ground because they all fell over. But all those real boxes up there are they're all Shimano. I I traped through the mud of eBay to find all the JDM reels. <laughs> there uh, you go, Shimano. So and I've owned many a G Loomis rod, and they are fantastic rods. So congratulations, uh, and you're not wrong. You will market those rods and reels just as well as anybody. Well, hopefully I can do that for the next, you know, however long I can make it fishing, you know, and mm -hmm. we can have a good partnership and I can keep fishing quality rods and reels and catching fish and hopefully, you know, selling a few rods and reels for them. Yeah. So, so what's your favorite rod and what's your favorite reel? Well, I guess it'd be the new one I just got, you know, it's the, the NRX plus the 782S, that G Loomis rod got it. I mean, it's it's so perfect, and then the 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 reel is so light; it's made out of carbon fiber. I mean, I feel like I'm fishing with an ultralight, even less than an ultralight, because it's so light. I mean, you don't even feel anything hardly. It's just it's, it's taken me a while to get used to, but I'm starting to get there, and and I'm going to put it to good use when I get up to the boundary waters again and and put it to a test. Yeah. What what reel is that? The Vanford. 
Yeah, it's a Vanbird. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nice. I haven't used one of those yet, but I want to. Well, I've got two of them, Brad, so you can use one of mine. You can just give me one. I wouldn't complain. No. <laughs> no, I gave you – you should be happy. I gave you an FL. Yeah. So that was a good birthday gift. Well, so. I got another birthday coming. I, well, I, yeah, I know you do, man, <laughs> but I don't work somewhere where I got great discounts on reels anymore. So Yeah, that's true. But that's cool, man. I'm I'm happy for you. Like I said, Shimano's awesome and that's that's awesome. All right, so you mentioned that you had a couple close encounters at the Boundary Waters. I kind of want to hear about those encounters and what happened. Well, one of one of the encounters that I had was with uh well, I've had a, a several with a bear or bears, but uh, one of the biggest ones was uh, I was fishing with a buddy up on uh, Russell Lake, and uh, a few paddlers came on paddling by, and they were freaking out about some bear raiding their camp. And then my buddy asked me, he goes, well, what do we do when uh, when a bear hits our uh, campsite? And I said, well, as long as we keep a clean camp and have the food pack hanging, we should be fine. And probably about 10, 15 minutes later, here comes a bear swimming down the uh, the, uh, the creek or the waterway towards our island. And so we jumped out in the canoe. We tried to head off the head off the bear. A couple of times we got him to go back and forth, back over to the mainland. And then we lost him and he went back behind the island. Oh, and then, Lord. I, 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 bears, bears just, I, I don't, they're one of those animals that I'm not a fan of because... Was it a grizzly or was it like a black bear? No, it's a black bear. And we, uh, finally we lost track of him and I'm like, well, he's either on the Island or he went back on the mainland. And, and eventually we saw him up on the Island and then we, uh, we watched him climb the tree to my food pack and then he could just barely reach it. And he was just smacking it around like a kitten, like a ball of yarn. And it was swinging it back and forth and it finally grabbed hold of it. And he got inside the food pack and grabbed the, uh, grabbed the garbage out of the out of the top of the food pack and came down the tree with it. We paddled across the, uh, the little uh, waterway there, filled up the canoe full of rocks and came back and started uh, pounding the uh, the bear with rocks. <laughs> finally getting to run away from, from the food. And then he, he finally gave up on us and he took off. And then we ended up cutting the food pack down. We just grabbed the steaks out of the tent, just shoved everything in the canoe and took off after that. And then we yes. uh, found, found another campsite later. I got a couple wolf stories. Um, first, the first wolf I we saw, we were paddling back down this uh, lake. We were leaving that day, and um, we seen something up ahead, and it was swimming across the lake. We couldn't figure out what it was, and it ended up being a wolf. And I ended up getting like maybe you know, ten or fifteen feet away from this wolf, and you know, it's kind of it's kind of strange being able to stare a wolf in the eye and not have to worry about anything. It was pretty cool to. To, you know, see him up close, you know, that close. And then he uh, swam over to the shore and took off. One other uh, good wolf story that I have is that I was up there by myself and I was sitting along a shoreline and I see this wolf pop up uh, down a couple hundred yards south of the lake. And he just kept working the shoreline and working the shoreline. And I just, I didn't move. I just sat there and watched him, watched him. And he kept coming and coming and coming closer Finally, he was getting all the way up towards the end of my canoe where I finally decided I was going to grab the paddle in case this thing, you know, because I'm so close. If this thing spooks, jumps in my canoe, I'm in trouble. 
So I just, I figured I grabbed the paddle and and as soon as I grabbed the paddle, that thing, it it freaked out. It jumped it straight up in the air, turned, you know, tight, you know, tail went flying up in the air and it just hightailed it right through the woods. It was freaking out. It was freaked out more than I was. Yeah. That's cool, man. Oh, that's. Yeah. I've, I've seen all kinds of stuff. I've seen, I've seen eagles baiting it before I've, we were sitting in a canoe and, uh, it sounded like two jets flying over top of me and I couldn't figure out why my buddy in the front of the, of the boat was, or the canoe was making this, uh, you know, noise like a jet. And I'm like, what, why is he doing this? And then all of a sudden I look up, there's two jet or two jets, two Eagles chasing each other. And then they, they go way straight up and then they grab hold of each other. They tangle up and start twisting around. I'm thinking, wow, what a great battle. Two Eagles going at it. And then I figured out it was spring and they were, actually doing the wild thing <laughs> that's funny that's uh, cool that's that's I, awesome like that's one thing a lot of people i don't mean to cut you off but that's one thing a lot of people they don't anticipate why we love kayak fishing and going out and just being out kayak fishing being on the outdoors things like that um i had a conversation the other day just about hunting they're like oh, i just can't i couldn't just sit in the tree all day and see nothing i was like oh i see stuff all the time mm-hmm. just because a deer doesn't walk in front of me doesn't mean i'm not seeing things i've seen uh in the middle of winter i've seen eagles flying and i've seen you know you see different types of wildlife granted we don't have any wolves as you know down here but you know it, it being out in nature is more rewarding than just catching the fish it's the whole overall experience of being out yeah Especially in a place like the Boundary Waters. Like, I've never been up there, but I can only imagine what that place is like. I'm picturing, like, real tall trees and beautiful wooded areas. And I bet it's amazing in the fall. Uh, it's, well, yeah, it's beautiful. But the fishing slows down in the fall. So hmm. once you get past September, it gets really difficult for fishing up there. Oh, that's kind of surprising. Cold. Yeah. That's true. It gets it gets cold pretty quick up there, I guess. But that seems kind of early. Yeah, I, I mean, once once September's over with, it's it gets very difficult. I mean, these the smallmouth start to uh, go deep and and like they bunch up. I mean, it'd be great if you could find the one spot where they're all at. But mm. you know, they're in one percent of the lake, and you're trying to figure out where that one percent is. You know. Yeah. And. You can't really bring live scope and stuff up there because you're trying to pack light. Because I imagine you're trying to get through the woods and stuff without having to work too hard. Oh, I bet I bet there's people probably packing it up there now. Yeah, you know, there's there's people who take depth finders and stuff. I I don't ever use depth finders or any of that. I've yeah. used them once or twice before up there, but I just you know I have a good idea where to fish up there and how to fish. So I. I don't really have to rely on any electronics. Yeah. So is, is the water up there? Are they like deeper lakes or deep Rocky lakes? There, well, one lake that, that I go up, it, you know, it was carved by a glacier and it's a 423 feet deep. Wow. (laughs) So So that's fairly deep lake. Oh, but but, uh, yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting like 20 feet. Or something no no a 20 foot deep lake would be a shallow lake up there wow wow that's that's eye-opening so when it's when it's that deep 
because smallmouth obviously we i've never been up there but i fished some deeper lakes and have an idea where smallmouth are in those deeper lakes what when they start packing up and going deep what uh depth are they usually sitting in oh i i couldn't tell you because i'm never fishing up there in october so but i mean but those lakes that are 423 feet deep um they are uh, more of a lake trout lake, you know, mm-hmm. you will, you, you'll find the small mouth, you know, in their shallower areas, you know, that, I mean, the whole lake isn't 423 feet deep, but it, right. and it's in the middle where the glacier dug it out. It is, but yeah, I mean, there's still small mouth to be found, but, but it's usually around, you know, moving water up along shorelines, you know, the, the usual spots. Yeah. Hmm. That's cool. I, w- I want to get up there so bad someday, someday. That's another <laughs> another thing on the every week we add like something new to the list. I'm pretty sure yeah. we're on like page six. So well, so you 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 fish in Quetico, right? And that's on the Canadian side. Yeah, uh, Quetico Provincial Park is the Canadian side, and the Boundary Waters is the uh, Minnesota side. Okay, so do you have to? H- how does that work? Do you have to? go into the woods on the American side and then cross through like portaging and stuff over to the Canadian side? You can, there's, there's several different ways you could enter the Quetico. Uh, you can, you can get a tow up uh, along the Minnesota border up to the, up to the border and go through the ranger station there and get permits. Or you could drive across at international falls or thunder Bay and drive around to the top of the park. Or you could fly into uh, to a ranger station at the top of the park. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be interesting. Where What are you thinking, Matt? I mean, whatever gets us there the easiest, to be honest. My my body isn't – my knees scream going up and down the stairs. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. I, I mean, I, I'm not – uh, unfamiliar with pain so hey let's just let's just do it man whatever <laughs> i mean the, the the best thing for you guys would be going to doing a, a big border lake like basswood lake where you would uh get a tow from moose lake up to the border there you you would need a remote area border crossing permit which allows you to cross in the middle of the woods anywhere between international falls and thunder bay you get one of these permits for 30 bucks. You, you apply for it online and within two or three days, they'll send you, uh, you know, you, you just basically have to have a driver's license or mm-hmm. a passport or birth certificate or whatever, you know, as uh, identification and not have any felonies, which helps. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> well, Brad, there you go. Yeah, well, now, but but yeah, once you have one of those, you you just then you uh, you know, you get your permit online, you get your fishing license online, and and then you you have a lake there that's twenty miles long and ten miles deep, you know, through a bunch of different channels, and and you could kayak that whole time, and you would never have to portage or carry any of your stuff other other than going from the American side to the Canadian side, which is about what they call 30 rods maybe, which is a rod's about 18 and a half feet, about the long, long as your canoe or something. So mm-hmm. it's not long and it's downhill. So it, that would be it. That would be an easy trip for you guys. And there's, there's a, well, the biggest smallmouth, the biggest Northern pike, the biggest walleye and the biggest, um, what am I missing? Uh, Lake trout. Lake trout. Uh, yeah. I've caught them all out of basswood Lake. So nice. 
So, but on the but on the Canadian side. <laughs> so that's what we're doing, Brad. Yeah, there's, yeah. It's, it's it's split in half. You know, the the lake is split in half. You're allowed having motors actually on parts of that on the American side, none on the Canadian side. But there are several parts on the American side that that motors are allowed. That's good to know because I was going to ask that because me and Matt we both have kayaks with motors on it. I wonder how that would work. Go. I wonder. Well, we just I mean, probably just have to pull the motor up when we cross over the border or something. I would assume so. Now, some places like Kaiser around us, if you even have a motor on the boat, they'll You're come out. And they'll come, come tell you to pull out. So yeah. I don't know if it's the same way. I mean, Mike, you would be the person to ask. Well, well, that's true because I, I've went with uh, some guys who had square stern canoes when I used to live up in Ely, Minnesota, and um, they were guides, and we got to the 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 end of the motor section and they took the motors off the boats and then stashed them into the woods and then came back and on our way back, went back into the wood. You know, they locked them up with some, you know, chains and locks on some tree out in the middle of nowhere, but you know, they want to make sure that their motors are still there when they come back. Yeah. But, but yeah, there's areas where, yeah, you, you can't have the motors with you. Now is that, is that motors as in gas motors or trolling motors allowed? No. Darn it. <laughs> yeah. it's, ours are technically it, trolling motors. You, yeah. you, could, you could make a sail out of a tarp. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's about it. I, I, I'm pretty sure we can get some PVC, Brad, and go to Home Depot and make a sail. Or you could just get a Hobie and put a sail on it. Well, you have to say you can get a Hobie and just put a sail on it because they make that. <laughs> That's, That's cool. I, I, I don't think you're allowed having sailboats out there. But you can oh. make a sail out of a tarp. Yeah, it's it, it's crazy all the rules. I'm sure you can find out online. Yeah, oh, Lord. yeah, yeah. I, I bet like they gotta have the rules for stuff like that though, because if you don't, you're just gonna get this area trashed, and it's you know, it's a gym. You don't want it to be trashed. Yeah, I mean if 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 there if there's nothing, like I understand why they have it because if you the easier, how, how do I want to say this? The easier you make something more accessible, people just for whatever reason, because we're humans, no matter who you are, where you're from, or whatever, ends up trashing everything. Just how it goes. We are. We're, no, uh, I was going to say no glass or cans allowed. Oh. No glass or cans, but you can bring bottles. If they're plastic. So well, I just have to buy a bunch of Mountain Dew and bottles. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I, I, take, I take Pepsi. I take 20-ounce Pepsi. When I go to the Boundary Waters, I'll take a 20-ounce Pepsi, you know, in a plastic bottle, you know, yeah. and they're fine. Yeah. The only problem is you, you need to have a cooler to keep them cold. Mm -hmm. But but if you're not going very far, if you guys are going just to the, the bass wood, you know, you could you could take coolers, but – I would I would suggest that you get a canoe instead of a kayak. Right. I don't know. I had you a canoe. You put so much more stuff in the canoe. Yeah, yeah I had cool. a canoe, and it just this would have been perfect for it because we could have just taken my canoe, but then I sold it because I was running out of room. Kevlar <laughs> canoe rentals are not cheap up there anymore. They're like sixty-two dollars a day. Lord, jeez. Yeah, I ain't surprised. Well, it's a good thing we know uh, one Mark Bersani, who probably still has a canoe hanging around. So 
that's true. He probably let us borrow one. <laughs> well, that, that's cool. I, and I'm glad you mentioned the passport thing. So when you're getting that permit, you don't need a passport, right? It, it, no, I usually just use my birth certificate and driver's license. You know, you you, you, uh, you get a copy of each one of those and, you know, get an image of it. This whole online thing just started recently, like in the last, well, since after COVID. Because uh-huh. I wasn't, uh, you know, this year was the first time I've been in Canada in four years since 2019 because of COVID. So oh. this is the first time I had to get, get a... Uh, remote area border crossing permit, you know, online. So did you, so you went this year? Mail. Yeah. Wait, when did you go? Uh, last week of May, first week of June, I went for a 14 day trip. Oh, that's cool. I bet that's a good time to be up there too. It's probably pre-spawn, right? Oh, it, the temperature was, it was, it was incredibly hot up there. So the, the bass, they, there was they were spawning quick i mean huh. it, the water temperatures increased i mean two weeks prior there was ice on the lakes and and then <laughs> after that it was like almost 70 degrees within two weeks so i mean it, it increased 30 some degrees in two weeks that's crazy crazy yeah, yeah so they were was. just in like a frenzy from freezing yeah, so you, to 70 yeah, you didn't know what you were going to find and where you were going to find it, you know, what parts of the lakes, you know, and, you know, certain lakes were heating up a lot faster than other lakes, you know, the shallower lakes. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was kind of crazy, but it was really good fishing. Oh, I bet. Oh, I can, yeah, I about to say, I can only imagine. So when you're, when you're going up there for two, I just want to get on this side of it. It's not super fishing related, but when you're going up there for two weeks, like what, what goes through your mind for packing stuff? Like what are you making sure you bring with you other than a 20 ounce of Pepsi? Uh, no, I don't. I, well, when you go to go to the Canadian side, you're not taking any cooler or any Pepsi. You're just taking a crystal light lemonade or whatever you can mix in your two quart container. Mm. Oh, so you can only bring two quarts? No, well, that's all I'm taking is okay. a two quart container and then mixing all the crystal light packets with that. And I mean, your water is whatever water you're getting out of the lake. I mean, it depends on how cold the lake is that day is how cold your drink is going to be that day you know what i'm saying yeah there's no coolers 50 miles off out in the middle of nowhere yeah so are you filtering that water then or how how does that work am i am i filtering the water yeah 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 i i take a what's called a gravity filter it's a it's a bag that has a filter at the bottom of the bag so you fill it up with water and then gravity brings you know the the weight of the water through the filter down through a little hose and then into my two quart container. Oh, that, yeah, that's cool. I'm looking at it right now. That kind of yeah. looks like an IV pouch. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you can go out in the middle of the lake and just dip it up. But we, we find that it's, you know, it's probably safer to, to filter most of your water. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to drink unfiltered water. You got like, you know, bacteria and uh, viruses. Yeah. That too. Yeah some yeah. viruses that are like causing brain damage and stuff like that now. Yeah. As, as someone who's had dysentery, I will not drink anything unfiltered. Uh, yeah. It's not, it's not a fun experience. No, no. It, it I thought I was going to die. So what, what is that? <laughs> dysentery. Yeah. Uh, just imagine here's the, here's how I explained it to somebody to, I think it was actually Stacy. She asked me what dis like how I was feeling. I was like, just imagine going to Taco Bell at midnight. 
and eating everything off their menu in five minutes and what's going to happen an hour and a half later stretched over a week and do that in the middle of the woods with mosquitoes on you yeah oh. yep. it's not enjoyable that sounds awful <laughs> it was not a good time i was in the middle of the desert and me and that hole got real friendly <laughs> at least you didn't have mosquitoes swarming you that is true i had to deal with camel spiders but i would probably rather deal with them than mosquitoes because they're exponentially more annoying so yeah there's no porta johns in the woods yeah <laughs> i bet dig your own yeah, hole and bury it exactly dig your own <laughs> i called it i called it the when we were when i was in the marine corps i called it the hillbilly squat i would just grab when i was back here in the states and doing field ops and stuff you just you dig a hole you find somewhere that looks nice and you dig a hole so i would always find the most scenic spot i could to do my business and i would grab a tree and i'd just hang <laughs> and I'd, I'd let it go and uh oh that's funny. yeah wow. Where's this conversation going here? <laughs> In a really weird direction, but I'm here for it. I'm 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 here for it. It is what it uh, is. That's funny. Well, but so you can't bring coolers up there. What are you doing for food? Like, are you catching fish and eating them, or are you bringing anything with you? Well, well, when I went to Quetico this last trip, we planned on eating four lunches of walleye. I mean, most the breakfast is usually just something simple like granola bars and hot chocolate. And then uh, lunches would be walleye, and then you would have, uh, like, different types of, like, ramen noodles mixed with some chicken in a pouch or dehydrated food or things along those lines, you know. But the, the only fresh uh, food that you would have would be the fish. But what happened on our last trip is that our stove quit working. Mm. Um, yeah, it, so... So you don't want to be in the middle of the woods with with a stove not working. What happened is that the blue flame that you know the hottest flame, it, it quit working. It was just like an orange flame coming out. It was just so. So yeah, the 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 stove quit working. But you know, I'm I'm smart enough to bring a backup stove. So I brought a break out the backup stove, and the backup stove isn't working 100 percent either. It's only working like at 50 percent, but I could still fry walleye on it. So on our second walleye day, I was able to cook some walleye, but it just took longer. Mm -hmm. yeah. get, up, get up the third day to, to make breakfast, and the backup stove isn't even working. I mean, I can't get a flame out of it at all. Mm -hmm. So now I'm back to the, the first stove, which is just putting out orange flames, but it's enough to boil water so I can have my hot chocolate or, or dehydrated meals where I can boil water for that. But the, uh, the walleye... Uh, lunches were out the window then after that after the stove stopped working and then that was on day i say day four and it started working again on day eight for some reason <laughs> i have no idea i think it was just because we moved on day seven and it got probably beat around in the backpacks on the way to the camp yeah. and then the next morning it, it suddenly started working properly and i and I, I have it packed right now for the next trip. You know, I'm going to use it as the backup stove. But even the one that broke and that didn't even produce any any flame, it's back to working at half where it was before at, when I got home. So who knows what happened? <laughs> it was crazy. I, I wrote an article about this last trip, and I call it – it's called Knippy and Bust. It was called Knippy or Bust. Knippy is a lake up there that I go to. Mm-hmm. 
And so I ended up calling it Knippy Hand Bus because within like two days, I had the stoves break, my paddle split. Uh, Then I went out fishing with my buddy with one paddle and uh, my rod snapped in half. On like a 16-inch smallmouth, I must have had to drag too tight, went underneath the canoe, snapped the rod right in half. I've never had that happen before in my life. So I'm sitting out there with a half a rod, you know, my my paddle is sitting back at campsite, you know, and it's drying because I got a super a super glue on it. And then uh, my buddy in the front, the chair that he's in, the the canoe seat, he's he's broke it and so he can't get comfortable. So he's leaning back on the bar back behind the seat, trying to get comfortable and snaps that. So now I'm, uh, I'm my my canoe's broke, my paddles uh, cracked, my rods ripped in half, and my stoves don't work. So I wrote a story about it. <laughs> Makes for a great story, at least. Oh yeah, great story. It, you know what? And the thing is, I used that half a rod. I put the wake bait on because it was the only thing I could cast with a half of a rod. It was like fishing with a half a pool stick. <laughs> and and but but throwing the wake bait. I could cast it a ways or, you know, kind of wing it a little bit and then just reel it really slow on top. And I, I couldn't set the hook. So, I mean, the fish had, you know, to set itself. And I caught probably eight of my 10 best fish, smallmouth, on that wake bait with that pool stick or half that's, a pool stick. That's awesome. <laughs> that's... But, you know, I, I had to make do with what I had. And I yeah. Had well, I mean, that just goes to show you that fishermen overthink things. Like, I've seen people fishing with sticks and line tied to the end of it and catch fish, you know, like people, people like me and Matt were like best gear. We got to have the best gear. No, you don't. You really don't. (laughs) I mean, I, I grew up catching fish with a cane pole that my grandpa made for me that he just tied it overhand, not to the end of it Yep. to a hook with some bread or corn and it worked fine. So, I mean, it can definitely determination is one thing that, Especially in your situation, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I'm 50 miles away from the nearest city, you know, or, or I wouldn't even call it a city, uh, uh, civilization. And, um, you know, I pretty much had to duct tape the bar back in my canoe and got that back into place. And it held for the rest of the way. The glue on the paddle held up and I put duct tape over top of the glue. And now I've, I've put actually fiberglass and resin across that paddle. Now it's the strongest part of the paddle. So I, I and I put new rivets in the canoe for the next trip. I'm getting a new canoe after this. <laughs> I'm gonna do one more trip. This canoe's 29 years old. I'm doing one more trip and it's gone. So you know, but I you know I may do you know you have to make do with what you got you know and survive you know. <laughs> oh yeah. who? Oh who's that? A uh, there's a Canadian guy TV show back in the day. Bear he- Gillis. No, he 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 duct taped everything. He 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 went fishing. Oh, red, red, red green, green. red green. Yeah. green. That's the first thing that popped up when you were telling me about that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's definitely when you're out there, you're literally having to catch your own food, very limited resources. It's not, oh well, it'll get me through the day, and then I can replace it. It's like kind of like you said, you're 50 miles from the closest town. You can't replace it. The only other thing if that paddle let's say your paddle completely broke and you there's no way fixing it the only other thing you could really do is either use a backup you have one if you don't have one you make one like those those are your options so definitely you know working with what you got 
So yeah, you just have to adapt, improvise, you know, and you know the the thing is, you, you want to make sure you can make it back. So you know, the canoe and the paddle were very important. Whether I had a stove, it didn't matter. I had there was enough food in the backpack that you know, if I could, I all I had to do was start a fire and I could you know get some water boiled and I could eat. You know, I wasn't going to starve to death. And you know, and the fishing pole didn't matter. I saw I had another rod with a Zulu rigs on there, so I I fished a Zulu rig on one and I fished a wake bait on the other, and I had a grand time. Yeah, yeah, that that Zulu rig's fun. I I don't necessarily throw the Zulu rig, but I I throw a fluke style bait, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, if you know if if you know how to work it, it's it it's pretty deadly. Yep. And I'm finding that out pretty quick on the river this year. It's been a one of my uh, go-tos so far this year. And I actually oh. bought some uh, Z-Man jerk shads that you uh, suggested to me. So I've been throwing those the last couple of trips. They, they last forever. Yeah, they do. I've caught 10 fish on one so far. It's been awesome. I mean, I've caught up to 100 on one single uh, Z-Man shad. I mean, granted, I, I use a little bit of uh, super glue on the nose and the back mm-hmm. where it gets ripped up. But, I mean, the more they get beat up, the better they work. Yeah. It's like that with the Ned Rig TRD and stuff, too. Yeah, that's, that's some great plastic. Oh, yeah, that elastic is, I mean, it's no joke uh, with what they've done with the bait. But, actually, I just picked up some jerk shads. I'm, I'm excited to use them. I've got one tied on. Um I'm pumped. I got like six different colors, so yeah. I'm excited. Yep. The, the the other uh, lure was as the chartreuse spinner bait that has been doing me pretty good uh, the last couple of years Just during the spring and the late fall and whenever it's murky. Yep. Yeah, and you you coined the phrase for all of us here in Ohio, the disco lemonade. Yep. Yeah, that all, that all came about from that song, uh, Sex and Candy. Yeah, back in the, Marcy's back Playground. In the 90s. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I was fishing up in Quetico, and, and I was throwing that bright yellow spinner bait, and I just looked at my buddy, and after I brought in this huge smallmouth, and I go, it's just like disco lemonade. And so it's been <laughs> like that ever since. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I caught that wiper. I caught that wiper uh, recently that you know was like twenty seven inches and eleven pounds on that spinner bait. It kind of freaked me out because I've never caught a wiper, you know, in Miami County before, which is pretty yeah. wild. That was cool. That, that's a that's a heck of a catch for the river. Yeah, oh, I yeah. mean, but it's it's the only one I've ever seen. You know, after mm-hmm. fishing that many years, and then you finally just catch one. And, and it's that one, you know, it's pretty wild. Yeah. At 27 inch or like my biggest is like 22 and that thing fought like crazy. I could not imagine yeah. a 27. Yeah. I, it, it was like a, like a freight. It was, it was, it fought harder than a 40 inch Northern. I mean, the way it was just ripping drag, it was crazy, you know, and I got to figure that's probably, probably the biggest bass of any species ever caught in this uh, County. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how it got here other than, Maybe it came through Mosquito Creek out of Kaiser and got into Sydney and, and then yeah. came down somehow. I don't know. Yeah, I always wondered that too. Did it come up from south? I don't I couldn't see it coming up from south just yeah. because of all the dams that are in the yeah. way. I never see the dams get flooded enough 
to where they can go above it. You know what I mean? Well, why is there only one, you know, after all these years, why, why hasn't there been any small ones or any, you know, it's not like I don't fish every day. You know, yeah. why am I not catching these all the time? Yeah, that one's just in that stretch is gorging. It's just, yeah. it is the alpha. There's well, nothing. they, they great. did, uh, they stocked some in downtown Dayton three years ago. I ended up catching one in October last year and he was about 21 inches. So I, they, I've read that they can grow up to 20 inches within three years wow. of, of them yep. being born. So That's I might've caught one of the ones that they stocked. No kidding. So yeah, it's kind of, kind of cool. I hope they kind of thrive, you know, cause they're fun little fish to catch. They no, they, they pull, they pull like a freight train. Yep. Oh, it's just like a big ball of muscle and they're, they're super fun to catch. I haven't caught any on the river here, but I've caught wiper before. The only the only thing I was worried, because I remember when they first stocked them, Brad, you and me talked, mm-hmm. and I was worried about them degrading the smallmouth, which yeah. it, I haven't noticed. No. So, but, you know, I didn't know if they would do anything to the ecosystem because, I mean, it's a much larger fish. They contend, if you look at them, they're, they can be just as aggressive or close to a smallmouth, and they just, they're just much more, I don't know, intimidating of a fish. Yeah. It's cool, though. But, um, I know we're, we're winding down here. I don't want to keep you long, Mike. So do you want to, you want to let listeners know where they can find you and, uh, follow you and everything? Well, yeah, well, they can find me on Instagram at, uh, Quintico Mike. That's a Q U E T I C O M I K E. No, why? <laughs> <laughs> so Quintico Mike at, uh, you know, on Instagram or, you know, pretty much it, you know, that's all you need to know. I mean, as far as that's concerned, you know, I can shout out to my, uh, my sponsor, Shimano G Loomis aquas, my waiters. I mean, they make the best waiters and they keep me uh, dry all the time. So I'm one of those guys who's always out there waiting. Most of you guys are out there kayaking, keeping dry, but mm-hmm. I'm just trying to keep dry wearing these waiters aquas. And, and then a, a special shout out to my, uh, my favorite uh, watering hole, Bing's Place. <laughs> they, they're, they're the home of the Frosted Fish Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, there we go. Well, I appreciate you being on the show, Mike. It's been fun uh, talking fishing and hearing about your stories in the Boundary Waters. Yeah, let's let's do it again. I mean, I'll be going up to the Boundary Waters here in, uh, you know, early, early fall. So, you know, if you want to talk about some more Boundary Waters, I'm always here. That'd be awesome. Well, we'll definitely probably take you up on it, get some more boundary water stories because it's something that, you know, a lot of us Ohio guys and the people down south and then the couple viewers we have in Zimbabwe, the UK, and uh, <laughs> Germany, which continues to astound me. Uh, awesome. But uh, that they don't ever get to experience that. So when do you, when you said you're going early fall? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, well, fall up there is different than fall down here. All, all up there usually happens as soon as August is over, you know, and then and then winter starts and probably, you know, a month later. Oh, so, wow. I mean, we, uh, when I lived up yeah. there, I mean, it snowed on May 19th and then it snowed again on September 19th. <laughs> yeah. Dang, Four months crazy. without snow. That sounds terrible, but to, <laughs> to each their good. own, I guess. Yeah. Fishing's good. Well, that's I mean, all that matters. During, during that four months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, man. But, Mike, it's been a pleasure having you on. We will definitely get you back on to talk some more Boundary Waters because it's it's been a good show. I've been been a fan of this. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Have a good night, man. Yep. Thanks for having me. Yep. See Always. You. All righty. All right, Matt. You got anything else? Nope. Nothing else for me. Appreciate everyone uh, listening to the show. Uh, like we said at the beginning, if you didn't catch it for whatever reason, the two people who left those reviews, one go to Brad, one go to me, we'll get you some stuff out. Uh, we don't have it in the intro or anything yet, but thanks to sponsors, Dark Horse, Yak Gadget, Loveland Paddle Sports. Thanks for sponsoring the show and have a good week. See ya.